0: section 5 of early rome by wilhelm ina this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter 3 the legends of the seven kings of rome part 1 at the time when the capitoline and the surrounding hills were covered with wood or pasture all the country round about and all the cities of latium were governed by the kings of the mighty city of alba longa which stood on the banks of the alban lake high on a hill overlooking the whole plain as far as the sea the city of alba was built by ascanius the son of aeneas the trojan who had escaped from the burning of troy and after many wanderings and adventures had settled on the coast of latium and there had built the town of lavinium after the death of aeneas his son had transferred the seat of his kingdom to alba and there his descendants ruled for three hundred years in prosperity and peace now when the time was fulfilled in which according to the decree of the gods rome should be built it came to pass that after the death of procus the king of alba a quarrel rose between his two sons for the throne amulius the younger took the government from his elder brother numitor killed his son and made his daughter Rhea silvia a priestess of vesta to the end that she should remain a virgin all her life, engaged in the service of the goddess who presides over the city hearth and loves purity and chastity in those who serve her. But the wicked king was not able to oppose the will of the gods, for Mars, the god of war, loved the virgin, and she bore twins. When Amulius heard this, he ordered the mother to be killed and the twins to be thrown into the river Tiber. But the gods watched over the children and the basket in which they were laid floated to the foot of the palatine hill near the cave of the god Lupercus, and was caught by the branches of a fig-tree the waters of the river now fell rapidly and the twins were left upon the land attracted by their cry a she-wolf came out from the cave of Lupercus and suckled them with her own milk and licked them with her tongue when faustulus a shepherd who tended his flocks hard by saw this he scared away the animal and brought the children to his wife laurentia and called them romulus and remus and brought them up as his own children thus the boys grew up among the shepherds and they distinguished themselves by their strength and courage and protected the weak against the lawless men who went forth to pillage and plunder then it came to pass that their enemies fell upon them while they were celebrating the festival of the god pan remus was taken prisoner and brought before his grandfather numitor and accused of having injured his cattle but romulus escaped now faustulus delayed no longer but told romulus of his mother and how he was destined to death by amulius and miraculously saved so romulus and his followers forced their way into the town of alba and set his brother free and the two brothers having slain the unjust and cruel Amulius placed their grandfather numitor again upon the throne but the brothers would not remain in alba and determined to build a new city on one of the seven hills of the tiber near the spot where they had grown up among the shepherds and they were joined by many from alba and from the whole country of the latins now as romulus and remus were twins and as neither would yield to the other in honour and power a quarrel arose between them and their followers which of them should give his name to the new town and govern it and they determined to let the gods decide by a sign from the sacred birds then romulus with his followers observed the heavens from the palatine hill and remus took his station on the aventine and thus they both waited for a sign from heaven from midnight until morning then there appeared to remus six vultures and he rejoiced and sent messengers to his brother announcing that the gods had decided in his favour but at the same moment romulus saw twelve vultures and it was plain that the gods gave the preference to romulus therefore he built the town on the palatine hill and called it rome after his own name and drew a furrow round it with the sacred plough and along by the furrow he built a wall and dug a trench but when remus saw the doings of his brother he mocked him and leaped over the wall and the trench to show him how easily the town might be taken then romulus was wroth and slew his brother saying thus perish every one who may attempt to cross these walls and this remained a warning word for all future times that no enemy should venture to attack rome unpunished after this romulus to increase the number of his people opened a place of refuge on the capitoline hill and there came a great many robbers and fugitives of all kinds from the surrounding nations and romulus received them all and protected them and made them citizens of his town but there was a lack of women in the new community therefore romulus sent messengers to the towns around about asking the neighbours to give their daughters in marriage to the romans but the messengers were sent back with scorn and charged to say that there could be no union and no friendship with a band of robbers and outcasts when romulus heard this answer he hid his anger and invited the dwellers round about to come to rome with their wives and children to see the games which the romans wished to celebrate in honour of the god consus and there came a great number of sabines who lived in the city of curus among the mountains now when all eyes were fixed on the games suddenly a number of armed romans rushed forward and carried away the young women of the sabines after this the parents of the women hurried away from rome cursing the faithless town and vowing that they would take vengeance on romulus and his people when they returned home they gathered a great army and placed titus tatius their king at its head and marched down the valley of the tiber until they reached the quirinal hill there they pitched their camp and laid siege to the capitoline hill which was held by the romans now one day when tarpeia the daughter of the roman captain had gone out to draw water the Sabines begged her to open a gate and to let them into the citadel. Tarpeia promised to do this and made them swear to give her what they wore on their left arms, meaning thereby their gold armlets and rings. Whereupon when the Sabines had penetrated into the citadel, they threw their heavy shields which they wore on their left arms on Tarpeia and killed her with the weight. So the traitress met with her reward. Now, when the Sabines had won the capital, they fought with the Romans who lived on the Palatine, and the battle raged up and down in the valley which separates the two hills. One day, when Hostus Hostilius, a foremost champion of the Romans, had fallen, his countrymen were seized with fear and turned to flight. But at the gate of the town Romulus stopped, raised his hands to heaven, and vowed to build on this spot a temple dedicated to Jupiter's that is the stayer of flight if he would be helpful to the romans in this need then as if a voice from heaven had commanded them the romans stayed their flight turned round upon the sabines and drove them back and it came to pass that medius curtius the leader of the Sabines, sank with his horse into the marsh which covered the lower part of the valley and almost perished in the marsh and the place where this happened was called for ever after the lake of curtius When the battle had come to a standstill and Romans and Sabines were facing each other ready to begin the fight afresh, the Sabine women rushed between the combatants, praying their fathers and brothers on the one side and their husbands on the other to end the bloody strife or to turn their arms against them who were the cause of the slaughter. Then the men listened to the voice of the women and the chiefs on each side came forward and consulted together and made peace, and to put an end to all disputes for ever they agreed to make one people of the romans and sabines and to live peaceably together as citizens of one town thus the sabines remained in rome and the city was doubled in size and in the number of inhabitants and titus tatius the sabine king reigned jointly with romulus but as tatius and his people came from Cures, the city of the sabines high up among the mountains The United people were called the Roman people and the Quirites, and the name remained in use for all times. After a time, Tatius had a quarrel with the men of Laurentum who slew him when he was bringing offerings to the sanctuary of the Penates at Lavinium. Thenceforth Romulus reigned alone over the two peoples, and he made laws to govern them in peace and war, and first of all he divided them into nobles and commons the nobles he called patricians, and the commons plebeians. Then he divided the patricians into three tribes, the Romnes, the Tities, and the Luceres, and in each of these tribes he made ten divisions which he called Curies. And the thirty Curies together formed the assembly of the people, and met to administer justice and to make laws. But all the patricians were equal among themselves, and every father of a family governed those of his house, his wife, his children, and his slaves with absolute power over life and death. And several families united together and formed houses, and the houses had their own sanctuaries, customs, and laws. But the plebeians Romulus portioned out as tenants and dependents among the patricians, and called them clients, and commanded them to serve their masters faithfully, and to help them in peace and in war, and the patricians he recommended to protect their clients against injustice and on that account he called them patrons that is protectors from among the patricians again he chose a hundred of the oldest and wisest men whom he called fathers and made them his counsel to advise him on all great matters of state and to help him to govern the city in time of peace But out of the young men he chose a legion or army of three thousand foot-soldiers and three hundred horse, according to the number of the three tribes and the thirty curies, out of every curia, one hundred foot-soldiers and ten horsemen, and for the captain of the horsemen he chose a tribune of the kelleres, for this was the name of the horsemen. After the city had been so ordered and made strong to defend her freedom, romulus governed wisely and justly for many years and was beloved by his people as a father he overcame his enemies in many wars and conquered Fidenae, an etruscan town on the left bank of the tiber not far from rome now when all that romulus had to carry out was fulfilled according to the will of the gods it came to pass that he assembled the people to a festival of atonement at the goat-pool on the field of mars which extends from the town toward the north, even to the Tiber. Then there arose suddenly a fearful storm, and the sun was darkened, and out of the clouds came lightning, and the earth quaked with the thunder, and the people were frightened and waited anxiously till the storm should clear away. But when daylight returned, Romulus had disappeared and was nowhere to be found, and his people mourned for him. Then Proculus Julius, an honorable man, came forward and said that Romulus had appeared to him as a god, bidding him tell his people to worship him as Quirinus, and to practice valor and all warlike virtues, that they might please him, and might gain for themselves the power over all other nations. Then the Romans rejoiced and erected on the Quirinal hill an altar to the god Quirinus, and worshipped him as their national hero and their protector for ever when romulus had left the earth and had become a god the fathers met together and appointed intermediate kings from the senate to reign in turn each for five days in the place of the king till a new king should be chosen this temporary government or interregnum lasted a whole year for the romans were at variance with the sabines and quarrelled about the choice of the new king At last they agreed that a Sabine should be taken, but that the Romans should choose him. There lived at that time in the land of the Sabines a righteous man called Numa Pompilius, who was honored and beloved by everyone on account of his wisdom and piety. This man the Romans chose to be king over Rome, and when Numa was assured of the consent of the gods by the flight of the sacred birds, he called together an assembly of the thirty curies and asked them whether they would willingly obey all his commands then the people consented and numa reigned in rome forty-three years until his death now the romans were a rude people their thoughts were intent on war and plunder and with them might went before right therefore numa was grieved for he wished to accustom the people to milder habits and the fear of the gods and to curb their spirit by the sacred laws of religion but the people would not believe him and mocked him. Then he prepared a simple meal and invited guests to his house and placed before them plain food on earthen plates and water in stone bottles. And when they sat down to eat, suddenly all the dishes were changed into silver and gold, and the plain food into choice viands, and the water into wine. Then everyone knew that a divine power dwelt in Numa, and they were willing to receive his statutes and numa was wise from his youth upwards as a sign of which his hair was grey from his birth and he was trained in all the wisdom of the greeks for pythagoras the wisest of the greeks had instructed him and Egeria, a Camena—that that is a muse taught him the worship of the gods and the duties of a pious life and once he deceived faunus and picus the prophesying gods of the wood by wine which he poured into the spring from which they drank and he intoxicated them and bound them, till they told him the secret charms by which they compelled Jupiter to reveal his will. Thus Numa was full of all wisdom and taught the people which gods they should worship and what sacred rites they should perform to obtain their favor, and all bloody offerings he forbade, permitting only simple cakes and milk and other like offerings to be presented to the gods. Nor would he allow any images to be made of the gods, for he taught the people to believe that the gods had no bodies and that as pure spirits they pervaded all nature and watched over the destiny of men moreover he taught the people what prayers and solemn words and ceremonies they should employ in all transactions of public and private life and he ordained that they should not undertake anything important without first calling on the gods and seeking their favour then numa instituted priests to jupiter mars and Quirinus, and for the service of vesta he chose pure virgins who should feed the sacred flame on her altar the common hearth of the city also in order to discover the will of the gods he instituted the office of augurs and instructed them in the science of the flight of the sacred birds and he appointed many more priests and servants of the altars and prescribed to each what he should do and that they might all know what was right in the service of the gods and not from ignorance employ the wrong prayers or leave out or neglect any right whereby they might incur the anger of the gods and suffer great punishment numa wrote all his statutes in a book and handed it over to numa martius whom he made chief pontifex that is overseer and watcher over the service of the gods moreover numa encouraged the peaceful arts that the people might live by the produce of their labor, and not think of robbing others. For this purpose he divided among the citizens the land which Romulus had conquered, and bade them cultivate it, and he consecrated the stones which marked the boundaries of the fields, and erected an altar on the Capitoline hill to Terminus, the god of boundaries. In the same manner he took care of all artisans in the town who possessed no land, he divided them into guilds and set masters over them according to each kind of trade and in order that truth and good faith might be practised in common intercourse and that promises might be kept as sacred as oaths he founded the service of the goddess fides that is faith and built a temple to her on the Capitol. while numa was thus occupied with works of peace the weapons of war lay idle and the neighbouring people were afraid of disturbing the tranquillity of this righteous king, so the gates of the temple of Janus remained closed, for it was the custom among the Romans to open them only in time of war. Thus the reign of Numa was a time of peace and happiness, and the gods testified their pleasure in the pious king and his people, for they guarded the country from sickness and dearth, and blessed and prospered all that the people undertook. Now when Numa had become old and weak, he died without illness and pain, and the Romans mourned for him as for a father, and buried him on the hill Janiculus beyond the Tiber, on that side which lies toward the west. After Numa's death, the Romans chose for their king Tullus Hostilius, the grandson of Hostus Hostilius, who fought in the battle with the Sabine Metius Curtius. The time of peace was now at an end, for Tullus was not like Numa, but like Romulus, and he loved war and the glory of war beyond everything. Therefore he sought causes of dispute among the neighbors, for he thought that in a long peace the Romans would grow effeminate and lose their ancient courage. Just then it happened that some Roman and Alban countrymen quarrelled and charged each other with robbery. Therefore Tullus sent Fetialis, or heralds, to Alba to demand compensation for the plunder the albans likewise sent messengers to rome to complain and to insist on justice then tullus employed a stratagem he received the alban messengers with great kindness and treated them with such hospitality that they delayed the execution of their disagreeable commission but the roman fetealis who were sent to alba demanded without delay satisfaction from the albans and when this was refused they declared war in the name of the roman people when tullus heard this he asked the Alban ambassadors to deliver their message and sent them home without giving satisfaction, because the Albans had first refused it, and had thus provoked an unjust war. Now the Romans and Albans met in the field. The Albans, led by their king Clulius, encamped with their army on the frontier of the Roman territory and made a deep trench round their camp, and the trench was called for ever after the Trench of Clulius. But in the following night, the king of the albans died and they chose in his place a dictator whose name was metius fufetius now when tullus advanced and the two armies stood arrayed against one another and the bloody fight between the kindred nations was about to begin the leaders came forward and consulted together and determined to decide the war by a single combat of albans and romans lest too much blood should be spilt there were by chance in the roman army three brothers born at one birth and likewise in the alban army three brothers born at one birth these were the sons of twin sisters and equal in age and strength therefore they were chosen as the combatants and the romans and albans bound themselves by an oath that the nation whose champions should be victorious should rule over the other then began the fight between the three horatii the champions of the romans and the three curiatii the champions of the albans on the first onset two of the horatii fell and the three curiatii were wounded then the surviving horatius took to flight and the curiatii pursued him but he turned suddenly round and killed the one of the three who was the most slightly wounded and had hurried on before the others then he ran toward the second and conquered him also and at last he killed the third who on account of his wounds was able to pursue him but very slowly. Then the Romans rejoiced and welcomed Horatius as conqueror, and they collected the spoils of the slain Curiatii and carried them before Horatius and led him in triumph to Rome. When the procession came near the gate of the city, the sister of Horatius went forth to meet it. She was betrothed to one of the Curiatii who had been killed, and when she saw the bloody coat of her lover which she herself had embroidered, she sobbed and moaned and cursed her brother. At this, Horatius fell into a violent rage and drew his sword and stabbed his sister to the heart, because she had wept over a fallen enemy. But the blood of the slain sister called for vengeance, and Horatius was accused before the criminal judges who sentenced him to death. The people, however, rejected the sentence of the judges out of compassion for the aged father of Horatius, who had lost three of his children in one day, and because they would not see the man led to death who had ventured his life for the greatness of his country and had gained the victory over Alba with his own hand. But to atone for this crime Horatius had to do public penance, to pass under a yoke, and to offer up expiatory sacrifices to the spirit of his murdered sister. The beam of the yoke under which Horatius passed remained as a token to the latest times and was called the sister beam, but the memory of the heroism of Horatius was also preserved, and the arms of the Curiatii were hung up on a pillar in the forum, and the pillar was called the pillar of Horatius for all time. End of section 5